Hi, this is Diane Franklin, actress from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, um, and Better Off Dead, and you are on High Level 4. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter, and today I have an interview with actress Diane Franklin. You may remember her from her role as Karen on The Last American Virgin, Patricia on Amityville 2 The Possession, Monique Juneau on Better Off Dead, Susie on Terror Vision, and Princess Joanna in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Peter? Hi, Mrs. Franklin. How are you doing? Hi, good to finally talk to you in person. Yes, it, finally. I, I know you're extremely busy, and it is summer, and you have kids, as do I. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this work and, and find a time that will yeah. work for the two of us. Good. Um, and uh, how old are your kids? Uh, I have a son uh, that is about to turn 15. And Aww. yeah, so he just finished his uh, freshman year, and then I have a um, a daughter that's thirteen. She'll be um, uh, oh. starting eighth grade next year, and then I have uh, a son about to turn three. <laughs> oh, so cute! Yeah, no, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you can you know that you know everybody's at a different stage, so you're all have to you have to bounce back and forth, right? Yeah. And oh, wow. and how you? I know you at least have a daughter. Yeah, I have a daughter who is nineteen, and my son is uh, sixteen. Oh wow! So, um, so I've just I've been sort of out of commission for a while, and then slowly, as they've been getting older, um, you know, had more um, was able to do more acting, and um, with my daughter's films, I was able to be in a lot of her films, um, which was great because that was incredibly bonding, and you know, just I mean. For on so many different levels, it was um, just getting to share, you know, parts of the entertainment business, but also just we have such a great time together. And as a family, you know, we just have a. I'm very into family. I think it's important, and um, I just it was just it's just been it's just been amazing. And my son is into music, and so he like did a soundtrack for my daughter on an, on a one of her films, and. Um, so yeah, it's just we're we're a close family, and uh, my husband he's a a writer and he writes animation and um, he writes everything, but he's working at Nickelodeon, and so we have a pretty great uh, upbeat family. You yeah, know? that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. How now? I I think I heard in an interview of yours that your daughter she started as early as fifteen as um, directing. She started as early as five. Wow. She was at I know, seriously. Um, she actually hysterically made her first film at five years old because um, I stopped acting to be with the kids and, and to be around them. And also, like, I was, and I started teaching acting at that time as well and uh, so I could be around and raise them. So anyway, um, but my daughter made a film, and my son is uh, in it, and he's three years old, and it was really funny <laughs> because he was like, he was, he was just like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, no. <laughs> it was really funny. Was like, remember your line. It was really funny. But um, regardless, uh, what happened was um, 
she started, oh, she, I, because I was teaching acting, I guess, you know, there was a lot, she was really influenced on. So she actually started making her first, she, she made f- films, but she made like her first short when she was 12 or 11. And then at 12 years old, it got into a film festival and it, it uh, won in a, a film festival. So she's been making films, I think, since 12 years old. And anytime she needed any, you know, character or mom, daughter, whatever, uh, you know, mom or uh, grandmother or anything, I was like, okay, you know, fine, I'll do it. But she, so, you know, she learned a lot uh, through me. But she also had her own acting career because she started at five years old with, um, she originally did the voice of, uh, you know, in Lilo and Stitch, the Mm -hmm. voice of Lilo, every time, like a girl, like the original Lilo got too mature in her voice, so they replaced the voices. Mm-hmm. So Olivia wound up doing the voice of Lilo from like five years old to ten years old um, for like t- you know TV show and games and toys and you know, theme parks. And um, she also did you know uh, commercials and she did regular acting. Um, so she did a lot of acting when she was younger. Um, and uh, as my, my son did acting too, but he got more into music. But my whole thing was you know, they have to learn like, I was an actress because I wanted to be one. And I never wanted them to want to be something, like, that I was. I wanted them to find their own passion. And so the only way to do that is, like, a lot of parents tell their kids, don't do it. But, you know, when you tell kids to not do something, that's what they're going to do. Right. So if you say, do not be a lawyer. You better not be a lawyer. I mean, boom, you know, they're, that's the thing they're going to be. You know? So um, for me, like, you know, I was like, this is what it's about. So... When, they, when my daughter was really young, we found that she had like a photographic memory. And so we said, okay, you know, let's see if you're interested in doing this. When you have kids who are really bright, you have to challenge them outside the box, you know. And uh, we knew that that was like important. So we, uh, so I said, okay, if you want to go on auditions, you know, see what that's like. And from that, I think, you know, she just, I, I supported her connecting, you know, and, and connecting to what she, what her passion was. And she loves filmmaking and she was born in an age where that is just amazing and possible and you can get your hands on it and I think to me that's so incredible you know to be able to be born in a generation where filmmaking was always put on a pedestal and now today you know we have the technology where anybody can make a film and express their voice and I think that's so important so she just the great part of it was I guess because I was in business you know, originally I and my husband, you know, he he's in the business too. We are just supportive in that area where a lot of parents might be more hesitant to allow their kids to, uh, you know, experiment and learn and play and you know and you know what I'm saying. You know, mm-hmm. um, because I think in anything you have to do, you have to. I mean, in any job you do, you you know you do a hundred mistakes and then there's one you know success that kind of thing you know you need to practice and so especially in filmmaking she just she loved filmmaking but she i mean she just loved writing directing acting and editing she just loved the whole thing so um it's hard i think now and a little bit for her or you know at least this generation is this generation's better than my generation as far as filmmaking because in my generation you picked one thing and that's what you did but in her generation, this generation, it's a, it's a time where everybody can, they can do it all if they are into it, and if they, you know, if they have the vision and the, the focus. And I think to me, that's, 
that's really great. And I think that that's what's hard is the old school thinking of you should only do one thing um, in a way. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that has to do with, you know, people, you know, you, you do one thing, you do it really well. But at the same time, you know, it sort of makes jobs for a lot of people. So I'm not exactly sure how that, you know, turns into, an, you know, an adult career. But I do know that she is in herself, like, wants to be a writer, director, actor, kind of like Woody Allen asked. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That um, that would definitely um, you know get her work out there and get recognized. You know to to bring more opportunities for her. So that's that's really cool. And you kind of touched on something that I I never really thought about. But like this generation, you're you're absolutely right that they have the power to do everything in on on their iPhones. <laughs> they, yeah. Oh. You know they can oh my God. film and edit and and all these good things with it. And the other thing too is it doesn't even matter like you know when you know people are always striving for those great cameras and the great look the truth is that this generation will be remembered for those iphone looks do you know what i mean like like things that show this generation is the things that are used the most and so if someone makes a film with their phone that look is will bring people back to this time period so (laughs) it's it's not exclusive to you know, you don't have to have the best equipment, but you do have to have something to say. I think that's a really important thing. Like, you need to, you know, have, um, be able to tell a story and, and understand, like, you know, how your story relates to other people. And I just, there's, you know, um, it's just interesting. I mean, and I think that, you know, any, you know, so many kids have that opportunity right today, and it's just getting the support around them that's really important, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, so, um, that's, yeah, but my, but I just love being directed by my daughter. She is such a good director (laughs) and, uh, I've done a lot of different films for her and it's just, she's just like amazing. And I, I, um, she's, she focuses on comedy and she's, uh, I just tell her, you know, to take her time and not just to keep doing and moving forward because um, I didn't want her to, originally, like a lot of the work she's done, I told her to not put it out, you know, too fast or too quickly because I didn't want her to be seen as a kid director or Mm -hmm. a kid filmmaker. Um, but at the same time, what she's done when you see these films, it's like unbelievable. You look at it and you go, I can't believe a child did this. You know, like, I can't believe a 15 year old got to the LA Film Festival this way. Or like, the mom must have helped doing, you know, like the cell phone film. So there must have been connections or there must have been something. Um, but it's all her. And that's right. what I sit there and I'm amazed. I sit there and I go, I think what it is is that I'm just, I'm really proud and happy for her that she can pursue what she loves because that is really the key. And especially as a young woman, you know, you in this business, even today, which is kind of bizarre to me, you know, as a young girl to, to have to, um, to have, to have less opportunity in a sense sometimes, uh, or at least not maybe less, but you must, you have to show people what you do. You can't just say, hi, I'm a director. They're like, that's cute. Go get me a cup of coffee. You <laughs> have to show people what you do, you know? And whatever field you go into, you have to show them. And you can't, you have to lead because, you know, in this world, we have to help others. And if you go to somebody, 
or get a job somewhere, you know, you're, they're paying you. They need help. They don't want to help you. And it's not that they don't want to help you. It's just that the, the whole world needs help, you know. And so anything you do in life, you have to show people. You have to help them. You, you know, young people have to make the effort to do that because that's what they're getting hired to do. They're not, you know, unless you go to college where college trains you to be in the world. You know, otherwise, when you get a job, if it's hard, it's because you have to sort of catch up to help others, you know? Mm -hmm. And if people get short-tempered, it's not that you're not doing a good job. It's that they need help. That's why they hired you. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it's, and I find that so interesting. Like, I think a lot of maybe young people think, oh, I hate my job, you know? But the point is, no, it's because you need to help them. You're mixing it up. The world needs, as we get older, when you reach the time where you're working in life, you need to help society. You need to go and find a place to help society, and as opposed to them helping you. You get help by getting paid. Do you know right. what I'm saying? So um, I think, you know, when people realize that younger people realize that they're actually, I mean, they're the lucky ones because they're getting money to help somebody else with their dream then they, they'll understand, you know, it doesn't stop them from having a dream. You can have a job and, you know, you're getting paid and you can still go after your dream. Nobody's stopping you as an adult. That's the difference between being a kid and adult. As an adult, you choose how to spend your time, you know. So anyway, I'm going off on big tangents. So let's no, talk about acting. Well, <laughs> sure, anyway, yeah, no you know problem. You're, you're, you're absolutely, I mean, you're, you're a proud parent, you know, and it really shows. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind that at all. But, yeah, we, we can delve into some of your um, some of your work. Um, I, I imagine that you're still constantly being approached on the street by fans. What, right. what role do they associate you with the most? Well, you know, that is a great question because when I, I, I it's funny, like, I'll, do, I'll be out, you know, with my family or by myself, like, doing things, and people will look at me and I'll see this, like, double take, and I'll think, like, what? is it you know and it you know sometimes um and it's funny because i think it catch, sometimes it catches people by surprise of my generation like who are my age because they walk around thinking they're not thinking about you know like who the people they watch on tv or, or film you know like whereas the younger generation maybe teens or something they're watching a lot of tv they watch a lot of films so they all automatically will recognize people and they'll be like excited or happy you know but of my generation when i see people my age i their look is sort of like confused like wait do i know this person is this familiar what movie is it they're searching and um i found that it's mixed into two different uh, uh categories it's the people who love um i mean not that like i have a lot of people who who are more like you know they like amityville or they like uh television but I do find that um, I think Better Off Dead um, and Last American Virgin. And I think it has to do with the sort of the generation. I get younger people and I get, and I get people who, I get, you know, uh, a wider range from Better Off Dead. Um, and then Last American Virgin, I get like the, the most of the guys and, and sort of, a, you know, older generation in a way, like, or my generation, whatever, uh, is more sentimental about that film. Um, and Last American Virgin has been handed down to people. Like, they tell people, you know, it's like a boutique kind of uh, cult 
film, like a cult classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it showed at Lincoln Center this year. This year at Lincoln Center, um, and uh, which was amazing. Um, so, I I think the people who have that more like they enjoy you know more of a. I mean, even though Last American Virgin was a um, teen sex comedy, that film is has a lot of depth and is it really stays with people and has a this crazy ending. I think it's just one of those films that you know people don't make these films anymore. Right. And with Better Off Dead, um, that's such an interesting film when people come up to me with that knowing that film or, they, or people in their 30s um, or their 20s they come up to me because that film brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people I mean I, I really feel like they just love that film and they want to they watch it with their kids and uh, I'm thrilled I mean, both of the films I think are, are wonderful um, uh, and I just I'm so grateful to have been part of both of them um, and I've done a lot of other work but those films I need to be remembered by uh, I wonder, you know, like I recently asked, like, I wonder what film, I have a website, um, Diane Franklin on Facebook, and uh, if you're listening, you know, you can, or writing this down, people can friend me there. The only thing is, um, I reached, like, the fan limit, so I'm trying to figure out how to open up another, you know, uh, site so that people, or page, so that people can friend me there as well. But um, I asked my Facebook friends what they thought was I, I was most you know they, I will be remembered as what film you know out of all the things I've done and um, they it was pretty much down the middle which I thought was interesting it might just be the people who have been friending me um, but it was between Better Off Dead and, and The Last American Virgin so it, I would say you know comedy Better Off Dead and, and drama uh, Last American Virgin yeah I yeah, I would agree with that actually because when I think back to both of those movies, the, the the things that I remember the most is is always your smile. You know, you, you have a very beautiful smile, and I think it's Thank not you. yeah, it, it's not even debatable. You know that you were um, you know one of Hollywood sweethearts. You know, you, you came out with a movie almost every single year in, in the eighties. Um, but Last American Virgin was that your um, official first role? That was my first. Um lead role in a feature film and before that I had uh, I was on a soap opera and I did a play and I did um, uh, commercials and modeling but Last American Virgin was the first role that I ever got like I mean as far as film Mm -hmm. and it was I mean to get a lead in a film especially at that time was unbelievable and I you know, I took it really seriously, and I was very, um, even though, like, it was a teen film, I saw the depth in the film, and so I just loved that film, and I, I you know, it's funny, I uh, I think it's, it just is, it just is, uh, it speaks deeper. Oh, I know, one of the things I recently realized was, um, first of all, I realized that it really is one of the few sex education films for guys, because that film tells guys everything and you know you, you if it was shown as a love story no guy would see it so they had to advertise it as you know a teen sex comedy because they're going to try to get more people to watch it mm-hmm. um i think the thing that was interesting and i didn't realize this until uh as i've gotten 
older or watching the film again and, and seeing it was, you know, Lemon Popsicle was the original version of Last American Virgin, and mm-hmm. that was an Israeli film. And the girl who played that role, you know, I've often said that this character is just the girl. But the girl who played the role, she played it as a girl that had no emotion or feeling about about it. She didn't... She, I, she played it, I think, in a way that made... You could hate her, but um, she didn't have... She was the object, and she was... I think in the end, like, it's, it's just like if you walk in on somebody and you can tell the difference when a girl cares and when she doesn't, mm-hmm. you know? It, it, you know, or she's just like, she's just going to be any other girl. Um, and you can fall in love with her superficially, but, you know, if there's no depth, it, it just goes away. And I think the thing that was interesting was when I got the script to Virgin, I really, we all wanted to change the ending. We all thought, oh, we're just going to change this, right? This is going to be how it's going to be. And when we realized, no, this is not going to happen, I think that I, I personally emotionally justified, you know, I put myself in the situation, and I think I gave the character a lot more, like, it just, you didn't see it coming mm-hmm. in the story, and I think at the end, you're, I actually have an emotion, which is something that I think that is, that you hate me, but you also feel that this character's torn. And I think it gave this Karen more depth, which is unusual, I think, for that type of character. I mean, as a guy, I would think you just want the girl to be bad, so you can just hate her. I mean, does that sound, you know, more legit? You know, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of that movie, you just want to hate me. But you, you, you feel, I don't know if you feel completely that way, you know? Like, you can't dismiss my character as just the you know, like just this pretty girl, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I always think that, that, that it, it doesn't leave you, you know, but, so I, I don't know. I think that it's, this particular version of last American, like me, last American conversion compared to say lemon popsicle is, um, I just got to put myself more into the character. And I think that that's perhaps why, you know, it stays with people in their, you know, throughout their life, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, in their memories. Um, and, and Better Off Dead was just such a fun and exciting and awesome role to play. That was just like my, I would have to say, you know, my favorite role to play was Monique. Because this was very, uh, you know, uh, fantastic. And, uh, you know, I often thought, you know, this would be really fun. Um, I would love to go and do like a signing with John or get together with him. Because that was just, just a great film. I hope that he embraces it one day. Because it's just great, great, fun, fun. Like, it made the 80s a fun place to be as well. I mean, obviously, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures was, you know, fun too. You know, and, and there's all the, um, you know, John Hughes movies are, are really, really fun. Um, but it, I think it was a big part of what made the 80s what they were. Absolutely. I, I watched... Um better off dead i think for the first time either last year or the year before so i actually didn't wow. grow up with it yeah and um i only watched it because of this whole podcasting uh it was for a different show but um you know that uh, right that I, I wrote in for 
and uh, I I was just very I, I th- what I thought int- was interesting was that an hour and ten minutes into the movie is when you finally speak English. <laughs> I, right, exactly, right. <laughs> it's so funny because it, it's kind of like in a movie like Last American Virgin. I don't talk for a lot of the movie, and then right. all of a sudden, boom, all this stuff. But that's you know that's where sort of the girl thing came in. You know, these there were not many girl-driven movies. And really, I mean, it started in the 80s. It's like, you started off, like, again, early 80s, last American version, guys who leave the film, and that was it, you know, because the guys would take the girls to the movies, and the girls would be like, you know, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't completely, uh, I'd say, sexist, but it was definitely, like, the girl, the girl leaving in film wasn't happening easily at the beginning of the 80s. Then... As, you know, we got Molly Ringwald, we got, we started having a little bit more like, okay, girls are lead. And then, you know, being able to have Monique, I thought was a really, um, that character was just, it was awesome to, you know, to be, you know, like a a strong female character in a film Mm -hmm. and not have to be um, a tomboy. I mean, I was a tomboy, but I was also feminine. And I think that that, you don't normally see that as a character. So, uh yeah, it was just it was. It's a great opportunity to have a role as a, as a woman. I, I was, I'm actually writing another book, and um, I'm hoping to get it out this summer. And uh, I, t- I mean, it, it, it does. It reflects about you know again making films in the '80s, and um, I, I have a my previous book. Um, I wrote about my life, what how I became an '80s actress, maybe babe. But this this book has um, a lot more photos in it, and it. Um, it's sort of reflective of like you know what it was like also being an actress in the 80s but more in-depth information so yeah so it's um it's gonna be a great summer <laughs> yeah it, now the first one you're referring to is that the um the excellent adventures of the last american french exchange paper of the 80s yes and uh when i came up with the title i was imagining what you just did which is <laughs> the ability to say it which what's so funny about it is when you know when I came up with this title I wasn't sure people would even remember me seriously I mean there's no guarantee you know you act and you do things but who's to say someone will remember you from your films and your work you do so um, I thought okay I got to remind people in the title but then what I thought was because it's so long it by the time people end saying it you have to laugh. And that's really indic- indicative of who I am. Like, I'm an upbeat person. And um, although I have, you know, a lot of deep feelings and, and you know, a deep emotion, uh, you know, I'm, I'm approachable and I, and I um, have a sense of humor. And, uh, you know, so I thought this is a great way to introduce, you know, the kind of, you know, book it is. But it is, it's a great funny title. Yeah, it is. <laughs> At the beginning, when I asked people, I said, if you like this title, like, you know, oh, no, it's too long. you got to change it. You know? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's not the point. The point is, you know, you know, I just kind of stuck to my gut. And um, I think what makes it interesting is if people want to remember it, I just go, go to look up Diane Franklin book. That's easy. Right. But you'll never remember the title. But when you say the title or when you look at the title, you go, whoa, you know, um, it, it brings you back, you know. So, what um, what was it like working with John Cusack and Curtis Armstrong? Are are and and how different are they from their characters from um, uh, Better Off Dead? 
Well, that's a good question. I haven't been asked that, um, have, you know, even how different they are. Um, okay, so, Curtis Armstrong. Okay, so <laughs> Curtis. I'll start with, yeah, I'll start with Booger. Um, so, I, funny, okay, when I met Curtis, I didn't know he had done Revenge of the Nerds. I don't even know if it came out yet, or I had not seen it. So I just met Curtis as Curtis. And the funny thing with Curtis is he is a genius. Like, he is actually a genius. He is so, 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 so smart. And so he's smart, not just book smart, but he's so aware. As an actor, you are not just, you don't think in in the sense of just, um, you don't just think of the, um, peripheral, like the lines and the, and the look of the character. You, know, you think in terms of the subtext, like what's behind the lines, but you also have to be very um, aware sensorily of things. And he is very smart about picking up on sensory. I, I can't explain it. Like, um, like if you, you know, he's just He's just, you have to be smart verbal and non-verbally. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's smart both ways. And that's what makes him such an amazing actor. Um, and so when, I, when we did Better Off Dead, you know, if you notice, so much of what's funny is not on the page. And it's the way he does it and how he sees, how he saw in his character so many things. Like, I mean when he has that little formaldehyde pig and he like starts to talk to it in the scene. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not in the script. But, it's, you know, it's the beauty of him as an actor. So what was great about working with him as an actor is he never knew what he was going to do. And it was always a surprise. And um, I like, I mean, I'll never forget when we did the scene where he snorted the cocaine <laughs> jello. And I did not expect that. And we had to do that scene, I don't know how many times, because when I would go from Danny, which was so hard, because Danny, Danny was unbelievably funny, Danny Schneider. Uh-huh. Um, that scene, I'd have to say, was the funniest scene for me to shoot. I was really trying to not get my lip to quiver in that scene. This one minute I see Danny, and he's like really straight-faced. And then I go over to Curtis, and he's like doing the cocaine thing. And it was just, crippling so but what was what what was great was that the directors savage embraced that like he he embraced us you know doing sort of improv takes and um you know he got that you know he enjoyed that sense of humor and so we really we had a blast i mean we you know we were crying laughing i mean it was it was really really funny so how different are they um okay so curtis was he was like, an, you know, I guess he was just sort of an adult, like mm-hmm. a you know mature kind of you know person. But then he would go into his character, and he'd enjoy it so much. I mean, I think that that's what was really wonderful is that when he played his character, he really enjoyed playing that character. So he would get into it. It, it kind of reminded me of um, when uh, Keanu Reeves did um, uh, when we did Bill and Ted. And he got into his Ted character. He was just, he enjoyed it so much, you know? Like, you could just see him, when he got into it, they, when you, no character works, and you get into it and you relax into it. 
you just you just play. And so for Curtis, I'd have to say he was just more like a you know a mature adult actor, but like you know not arrogant or snobby or anything, just regular, you know, like just a, a, you know just a normal person. And mm-hmm. then getting into this character and just so loving it, so creative and free and, and great at improv. Um, I also have to mention Danny Schneider probably was one of the biggest changes. I mean, Danny was a great, funny, regular guy, and then he'd go into his character and it would cripple you because he just became um, Ricky. Right. Um, I think that's what when, one of the best parts of doing that film was, was that you didn't get to see the transformation of everybody. I mean, Mrs. Smith, you know, was awesome such a nice woman and then boom she's you know reggae talk like this and it was it just you i think it was the commitment if you have to say something everybody was amazing at committing to the character um you know john because he wasn't so much of a character um john had to sort of play the straight guy within it um but i would have to say john if anything, I would say John was a little shyer in real life, um, but so, so sweet and so approachable. And I, I, what I guess I would see is when he was off set, he was a little shy, but when he was on set, he wanted to get so involved in every aspect of the filming. I mean, he really loved, um, he really took charge and really loved filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So... I, I don't, you know, I I would have to say that I know that he did a lot of, you know, behind the scenes work as well later on. Um, I think it's just the love of being on a set and working. And um, we had a great time. I mean, he was just lovely, you know. Um, I think he was younger than I was when we did the film. Probably still is younger than I was. <laughs> um, but... Um, so I think, you know, there's this sort of sweetness, innocence, um, but he's always been sweet and innocent. You know, like, I just I just have to say, I'm a huge fan of that man. I just think he's... We've, I have great memories of him, and I wish we had a chance to work together again or in, in, a life, in our lifetime, but I'm, I'm just glad I got to act with him when he did that film. I was very fortunate to work with him and Henry and do comedies with them. Because that is something that, you know, when they go into more drama, I don't know. I just, I think I was the lucky one. I was the lucky actress. Yeah. I, I like yeah. to think they were lucky for having you being the love interest. Oh, um, thank you. Sure. You know, it, it was funny when I saw after I did like some of these films and then I started TV shows afterwards. And I, I remember people going, oh my God, that guy and Franklin in the show. Like, they were all excited. And I thought, how funny, just how, you know, I was, you know, you always look to the generation before you. Like, my generation that I would look at was, like, you know, Chevy Chase or um, Robert De Niro or, I don't know, maybe even was it was Robert Redford. I don't know, the generation ahead of you always thought, oh, my gosh, you know, so-and-so is here or, you know, that person is there and you get all excited and then I was that generation I was the next generation it was kind of funny that people were excited to have me come in but you know um, I, I guess I've always just felt really humble and lucky and um, 
and just enjoyed, you know, being in the business. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. And so, um, listeners of uh, Hydrate Level Four, they you know they'll know you from um, our recent review of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, can you speak a little bit about the um, auditioning process? Um, and did did you is the role of Princess uh, Joanna? Is that the one that you auditioned for? Were there any other roles you were interested in? Oh yes, okay. So, and I also, by the way, talk about more in my books that you have in my book. That's a really fun chapter to do because I like to have like I put chapters on all the the books, you know, the, every um, uh, film that I did because mm-hmm. I thought if you, if you like a film, you don't want to read through someone's whole biography to get to it. You want to go to that chapter, read it, and then if you're interested, you know, you can go back and you you can read the other aspects of it. So anyway, but Bill and Ted. Um, now the interesting part of Bill and Ted was that when I auditioned, um, I had come off a film where I had played a French girl. Um, uh, Wait, so that was, wait, I'm just trying to think. Okay, no, that was last, okay, first I played, you know, I was in second time. Lucky then I got better off dead. dead, Okay, so, so, but I, I've played a French girl two films, and I thought, oh, they want to see me because, they want me to play the French girl, which was Joan of Arc. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's, you know. And I get there, and they, I think they, they were looking at a, a, a bunch of roles. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, they might have even been considering me originally looking like, for me, for Missy, but then I don't think I was, like, old enough looking. I don't know. They, it, it, so, and then I thought they were seeing me for Joan of Arc, but when I got there, they said, do you do an English accent? And I said, well, of course I do. I can talk with an English accent anytime you'd like. Um, you just have to tell me, you know, where we're coming from, for England or how proper, you know, uh, I'm talking. So um, they um, they said, okay, well, let's try this. Would you be able, you know, to be a, you know, play a princess? So at the beginning, I thought, I don't even remember there was a princess. Like, at the beginning, I because I, I, there were not a lot of lines. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started realizing. And here, you know, here you go with you know female characters. I mean, I guess Missy probably had the most lines as a character. There was Joan of Arc. I think didn't even have a line. Maybe she no, had I don't one think she did. French, right? Right, right. And in so, the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, as a, the princess, I was like, oh, okay, sure, you know. And uh, so they, I think, they were very happy when they saw me play that character. And I think from that, they decided, you know. They were looking for then, you know, the other princess, and um, uh, which turned out to be Kim LaBelle. And um, uh, but I remember that um, when I played the character, I think my character originally was Princess Elizabeth. It wasn't that the lines were switched; it was that they they had mixed the names up on the credits. So I think that's what happened. Like, I think originally I was Princess Elizabeth, but then they mixed it up on the credits, and so I was Princess Joanna. So I was like, oh, okay. So, But um, I think originally my character was Princess Elizabeth. I have to see if I have the script, because the script would have the original names, but I think the names were switched. I, How funny. Yeah, isn't that funny? So I remember, like, when I saw the film, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not Princess I thought it was Princess Elizabeth. It's, I don't know. So I think it was But um, what was interesting was we went and shot that film. Uh, we had a totally different ending. So I thought the film ended with us going to the prom because we actually shot a prom ending. Oh, right. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I, I wonder, have you, do you happen to know, like, did they ever show that footage on a, um, a Blu-ray or anything? Do you I, know? If, I have um, the DVD. I do want to get my hands on the Blu-ray. And I do know mm -hmm. that the alternate ending exists. And I've only seen screenshots of it where I yeah. think they're also wearing, like, tennis shoes and stuff with their with their suits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they, they cut their pants short. Right. Like, you know. Um, we shot that whole scene. So it's somewhere. Yeah. I, I wonder if they'll ever put it out. Over who knows? If if Keanu and uh, um, uh, Alex, you know, raise money to make um, a part three, maybe they'll put something like that on the, you know, special features. But um, yeah, it, it was a great film, and it was really fun to do. And uh, it was just as an experience for me as an actress. Like Better Off Dead, I was in the whole film and I mean I, I saw the whole film being made we were on location with Bill and Ted it was very piecemeal like I show up and we you know suddenly I was in I would shoot in Arizona and then um then oh wait we're in England we should have seen there and then oh okay wait we're in like you know I don't know Pacific Palisades in someone's garage with George, you know, uh, George Carlin shooting this scene and so unfortunately I wasn't in the adventure as much as I would have liked to have been because we were more piecemeal uh, as opposed to being, you know, in the whole, you know, being able to time travel. I mean, I'm sure those guys had a great, like a brilliant time, mm -hmm. like, you know, doing the whole film, going to the mall and hanging out. I'm sure they had a great time. Um, so, um, but I was certainly, you know, treated really well and appreciated and loved the costumes and the long, you know, the long wig. I thought when I had gotten the role um, that they were just, you know, wanted to have my regular hair, but then they added this great long wig and it was fantastic. It just, it reminded me of when I uh, did um, Amadeus, like when I screen tested for that and had all the, the hair and the wig and the costumes, just spectacular and beautiful. Just Right, I I did read oh. that um, that you uh, you went. Uh, I I don't know where it was being filmed, but you flew all the way over there to audition for that role, right, in Amadeus? Yes, they uh, flew me to Prague. Um, Prague, right? And Prague, Czechoslovakia, and uh, it was um, it was a grueling. I mean, it was an unbelievably grueling audition, the hardest audition I've ever gone in on my in my entire career. Um, and I talk about that in my book and. Um, but at the same time, if I had gotten that film, I would never have done all these comedies. I would have never done Better Off Dead. I would have never done, you know, uh, Terror Vision and, uh, you know, um, Bill and Ted's. And to me, um, I, you know, I, I mean, either way is lovely in a sense, but I, I just am really glad that I was able to do those films. I feel it's more expressing more of who I am and my personality. So... I just, it's just, I'm just so happy that people remember these films, seriously, like, just that we can go back and we can watch, you know, films from the past and still enjoy them. I think that is, and see history, you know? Mm. I mean, I guess film has a, a lot more history now than, I mean, you learn so much about life when you look at films and, um, and I think it can bring you in a really good mood and uh, just... It, it, I think, in a way, film is living history in a sense. I mean, there's documentaries, but there's also creativity and imagination. And I just, I'm just really happy to have been in the, in the business as much as I have. Mm -hmm. um, I and I don't want to um, 
ask questions if you're, uh, re you know, if you reveal these um, in your book. But with um, Bill and Ted's bogus journey, uh, and I right. think that's about the same time you you um, took a break from acting. But was that the reason why you didn't return for part two? Oh, um, no. What happened? Well, you know, it's funny. I well, I got married um, when I was twenty. No, yeah, twenty seven, and that was eighty nine. Yeah, that was eighty nine. So. Um, and Bill and Ted's, let's see. Bill and Ted came out that same That's year. That's funny. Yeah, it came out the same year. Um, you know, Bogus, when Bogus came out, they, we, Kim and I thought we were going to be in the film. I mean, when it happened, I mean, we were thinking, oh, we're, there's going to be a part two. I guess we're going to be in this. Um, and then they switched directors. And so then suddenly we had to audition. And we were like, what? We have to audition for these, <laughs> for these wait. Wait a minute. We have to audition for our own parts. This is kind of bizarre, right? Right. Um, but I and I hear that the guys wanted us to stay as the princesses, but the director wanted to go with different girls, and I have no idea why. To this day, I really don't. Um, the only thing I can say was my thought was that they wanted to keep the guys central, and they wanted to keep the guys the you know, the story to focus on them. So if you had the same princesses, suddenly it would be like they weren't free and footloose. Like, you know, this way it's like the focus stays on them and the babes are just babes, you know? The babes weren't princess joint. They weren't specific. So, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, unless he had a crush on one of those girls, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't make you any know? sense. I, I, I no. just, you know, looking at the, your timeline, I, I, I yeah. just assumed that, you know, you were taking a break because, yeah, you, you were, you know, starting a family. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, just, that's weird. Yeah, no, it is weird. And I have to say, having been an actress my whole life, looking back, thinking, what was the deal? I think it was really, like, not cool to do to all the fans. I think that's just... Sometimes things happen in the entertainment business, and I think sometimes they happen for selfish reasons or for economic reasons, and it, they don't think about what the fans want. And I just think it's a shame because I certainly would want to, to see the same people back, you know, but... Oh, um, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. It's, it, I don't know, and Maybe someday we'll find out, you know, maybe find out and ask the director. I mean, I think that's really the key to find it from that, the director of that film, because it was a different director. Right. You know, um, I'll hunt maybe, him down you know, for why, you. yeah, why he <laughs> wanted somebody different. So, who yeah. knows? It could have been maybe some kind of, you know, deal they had to make, you know, with the studio. I have no idea. So, uh, but all I can say is that, um, I think better, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures is the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the I, it's it's one of my favorites for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I do like the original. My son and I, he, he's my co-host, and we review the movies I grew oh. up watching. So great. Yeah. What did he say? Uh, he well, yeah. he, he likes them both. I I'm trying to remember. I think he agreed that the the first one is better, and mm -hmm. um, I don't know what his thoughts are on the second. But me personally, I'm not a big fan yeah. of recasts. But I'll right. understand why they happen. But with with this situation right here, I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like a great reason. Like, you know, yeah. um, but but that was what's my your, thing. What's your, what's your son's name? Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, I'd like to know what Phoenix is. Phoenix's thought would be a better off dead. Because 
he is the next generation and to see that is like I mean I do know that today like for him it must be hard to watch certain films because some films are so long like films of my generation are very long you know Listen better said might keep keep up with you know the time so I'd like to know what his his review of it is you know how about this Um, would you be interested in coming back and speaking with him and me uh, about Better Off Dead yeah, yes, so you could pick his brain. Yeah, so we could do like a, that. Would be that would be amazing. Um, I love that because next generation, you know, you know, do these films withstand time. Although I, I don't think you should watch Virgin yet. Let tell them. No, probably. <laughs> you know, I've had so many people like so many guys have told me that they saw Last American Virgin when they were twelve years old. Uh, Different Brent times. Ratner and saw it when he was 12 and it just rocked their world and I'm like maybe you want to watch it a little bit later because <laughs> I don't want to ruin your childhood <laughs> right despite him going into his sophomore year I I, yeah. I think he can wait a little bit but that's just the yeah. dad in me but I, I know right. you know just like most other guys I did see a little bit younger than I should have but it's just yeah. it's different times for sure um, right exactly. and, and at that time there was no PG-13 yet Right. So, That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Virgin was rated R. Right. Um, I was just going to say, I did a movie called Terror Vision, which is really, really a funny movie. If you understand what the deal with it was, it was a, it was made, it was made before its time. It was actually a film that made fun of the eighties, uh, in the made in the eighties. So when people watched it, they thought, "What is this?" But it was, it was. Tongue in cheek, and we ever all of us knew that it was like, I mean, made fun of the workout, you know, things and the punk, but that was fun. But you know, it was it, it picked up on all of the 80s, uh, what made the 80s popular big hair and uh, you know, Cindy Lauper things and the and the like the valley girls, right? And <laughs> all of that. Um, but the thing was, it was rated R, and it if it it had a and it wasn't, there was no nudity, there was no bad language, but there was a little bit of, um, like, there were these paintings on the wall that were a little sexual, and it, was, it should have been rated PG-13. And if it had been rated PG-13, I think it would have been a hit. Mm-hmm. But it was rated R, and I think it just killed it, because people who, it was too mature for people, like, it wasn't mature enough, kids would have loved it. It was one of, just an interesting, how, when you're talking about ratings the film affects that you know i think that film was um hurt by that you know rating mm-hmm. but um anyway um so yes yeah, so uh we should definitely talk again that would be great oh absolutely um do you have uh, any upcoming work and you, i know you mentioned a book um but do you have any uh, any other roles that you're um that's coming out that listeners could be looking out for um you know i'm role wise i'm Doing, my daughter did a film that is at film festivals right now. Um, so it's called Devin Bright and the Sensitive Boy. Um, and you, I think you can go online and look at that on Vimeo. We might have that on Vimeo. Um, I know sometimes she'll put something on and then she'll take it off. But that, I, I play a, a stage mom, which is really funny and hilarious. Um, I am going to be doing, um, as far as acting goes, I'm auditioning for things. I just auditioned for... Um, Rizzoli and I also, we'll see. We just go. I just going on auditions and seeing what comes up. Um, but there might there might be some things happening, you know, audition wise. But I 
that, you know, you just don't know until you get hired for different things. Um, but I do have um, a convention in Sacramento, and it's called, um, I think it's called Sinister Creature Con, and it's going to be at the Scots or Scotsman Center. I could be getting this completely wrong. October 17th and 18th, like the Friday and Saturday and Sunday of October, I think that weekend. Um, so I will be there. All right. Hopefully so, people um, go see you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's going to be happening. And then also this June on the 28th, I'm in, I'm in Burbank at, uh, uh, what's called Delicacies. It's a bookstore in, in Burbank. And I just thought I'd be, since I'm in Los Angeles, I thought it would be fun to go someplace local. So there's Dark Delicacies bookstore on the 28th of, uh, June. I'll be there, and I'll have autographs and signings, and I have my Better Off Gift coat, which I always bring nice. to any signings, because I think that is the key of awesomeness. You come, and you wear the coat, and I take the, you take a picture wearing the coat, or wearing, me wearing the coat and uh, together, and it would be really fun. So I hope to see people there, and then friend me on Facebook, um, because that's you know, where you'll find out about my book when it comes out, and because uh, I'm very word of mouth. I don't usually do a lot of publicity, um, except you know, like experiences you ask me for an you know, interview, that's fine. But um, if you want to know what's going on with me, you got to friend me on Facebook, and then I put my information. And my daughter films as well. So, yeah. What What about yeah. Twitter? Or um, do you do you post things on Twitter for for people I to do, follow? Yeah, I do post things on Twitter as far as when things when things are coming out. But like on my Facebook, I'll put like old pictures, and you know, I'll, I'll like give people treats that way. And then if you become a friend of mine on Facebook. And you buy my book, I will sign the book for free. Um, but you have to be a Facebook friend. So we'll, I'll try to get my Facebook thing a little bit more aligned. But I do do Twitter, too. So Twitter and Facebook are my connect. And look for a black and white picture for me from Better Off Yet. That's, that's how you know it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, friending you pretty soon here. <laughs> um, okay, good. And, I'll, and when people, like, sometimes someone leaves, I'll, I'll go back and I'll do it. But this has only been recently. Like, I, I mean, I'm just trying to... I got it. As you know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school when it comes to technology, so I have to get myself, you know, more, you know, up to date certain things. That's why it's good to have teenage kids, right? Yeah. So, um, All right. Thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to come on to the show and 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 uh, spending your time talking with me. Great. You're welcome. And uh, Peter, please send me any uh, links, or you can always like put the interview on. Um, you know, on my website, like you friend me. Okay, I'll, I'll do all of that. <laughs> all right, good, good. Okay. Well, you're lovely to talk to. You have a lovely voice and a oh, lovely thank you. Like, a nice way about you, and I hope I didn't talk your ear off. So, I'll talk to you then. What is the strange elation Taking my train of thought To an unknown destination And suddenly I don't know where I am But like a trailer or a spark Something's happening in my heart you
Something's happening in my heart 